This episode of Control-Alt-Delete is brought to you by Wonder Capital. What if you could help combat global climate change and make money at the same time? Introducing Wonder Capital, the award-winning online investment platform that allows individuals to invest in solar energy projects across the United States. Wonder's online investment platform allows you to earn up to 8.5% annually while diversifying your portfolio, curbing pollution, and combating global climate change. Your investment in Wonder's fully managed solar investment funds goes directly to helping U.S. small and medium-sized businesses install solar panels. As those businesses repay their loans to Wonder, you receive monthly payments directly deposited into your bank account. Best of all, Wonder Capital doesn't take any fees for investing your money. So create an account for free at wondercapital.com slash Walt. That's Wonder with a U, wondercapital.com slash Walt. Wonder Capital, do well and do good. Hello, and welcome to Control-Alt-Delete, a podcast that might hiss, but won't explode. That <laughs> intro is brought to us, that's a good one, by David Lockhart. He's at Big Guy in a Bowtie on Twitter. That's at Big Guy in a Bowtie. I like, the, I, I like, I like everything about this He one. has everything. Yeah, it's Who perfect. Who is this guy? Let's get him on. <laughs> big Guy in a Bowtie hey, with a great I, I'm looking at his Twitter avatar right now. He's Big Guy, no Bowtie. What are we doing? <laughs> David, get it together. David, man. get the bow tie. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's good. Because, you know, the iPhone 7 has this, like, mild, tiny, not really, doesn't seem to be bothering too many people, hissing problem. But the, yeah, the Note never 7 explodes. <laughs> yeah. That's, it, is, it is a great one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we should talk about that for just two seconds. Oh, yeah. If you're huge. listening to this, you, you know what's going on. But Samsung halted production of the Note 7, recall all over the place, carriers taking them back. We got to give credit to our reporter, Jordan Golson, who Yay, Jordan. spent the weekend just tirelessly writing story after story. People, you know, it starts to snowball a little bit. So he wrote one story. He tracked down a guy whose replacement Note 7 had caught on fire. Other people started sending him tips. He talked to as many of them as he could. He posted all the verified ones. Government started getting involved. He pointed out that Samsung, somebody had sent, a Samsung employee had accidentally sent a text to one of these people saying, we're trying to quiet it down. Jordan got that scoop. Literally one of these posts he wrote, pulled over on the side of the road in New Mexico as he was driving home. I mean, just killed it all weekend. And Samsung, after did what they should have done a long time ago, I think, Stop production of the phone, said, everybody give them back. Who knows what they're going to do next? But here we are. Well, I think that uh, I, I hear, hear a couple of thoughts. We've, talk, this, we've talked about this before on Control Alt Leap. But uh, I think, first of all, just a serious dereliction of duty on their part, uh, not just for a tech company, but for any company selling uh, any, anything, uh, particularly any consumer product. In that, uh, I think they've been slow. I think they rushed in two weeks, I think it was about two weeks, a replacement. They, in other words, in a matter of weeks, they claimed to have diagnosed the problem, solved the problem, and made, I know just for the United States alone, because they told me that they claimed they made a half a million replacement phones that were supposedly safe. And what Jordan was doing all weekend was showing, was reporting uh, in a very thorough way uh, complete with photos of receipts and everything and labels that these safe replacement phones were the ones I think we've we've had we had five over the weekend that had uh, fire or explosion incidents. So that's a huge dereliction of duty. The other dereliction of duty, which you you and I uh, 
uh, to start talking about weeks ago was they never really flew one of their executives over here. And I know it's a global company and they sell these all over the world. But, you know, we compared it to the much less, much less important antenna gate thing that happened to Apple where, you know, Steve Jobs cut off his vacation, flew home, stood up, explained it all, defended them, promised everybody a refund, promised everybody a free, what was it, a bumper. But the point is, they have not stood up in this country. I can't can't speak to how the culture is in other countries about recalls, but we know what it is here. And there was just nobody representing Samsung that people typically saw here. But worst of all, in my opinion, is that even as we are recording this, even after they have halted production, even after the thing has damaged their brand, and I see some analysts uh, saying it could cost them $20 billion when all is said and done. I don't even think they're counting lawsuits. Even after all that, they still have yet to even once issue a statement or have somebody stand up and say, this is what went wrong. Yeah. This is why these phones are burning. This is why we thought we had fixed it. This is why it it wasn't a fix. But he, but even just the very first one, the, the first uh, batch, the first flaw, we think it's a battery flaw because that's usually what happens in these phones. I'm sure it's a battery flaw. But maybe it's a battery flaw that was caused by a particular design that they imposed, you know, a spec or some kind of design in the case or the thermals or something. They acted like they knew what it was because they said they fixed it, but they never told us. They never shared any of that with us. Yeah. I mean, now, who knows? I mean, they they completely changed battery suppliers. Right. Presumably the battery is of a different design. They told me it was of a different design. So they didn't. They maybe, didn't say it, what. I mean, literally, we're left to do nothing but sort of irresponsibly speculate. Like, is it a core design of the phone that overcharges the batteries? Is it they rushed out USB C? Who like who knows? It's anything. Who knows? Is it is it a core design of the flaw that doesn't have to do with overcharging the batteries, but maybe does have to do with leaving enough space? You know, the shape of the phone or the cavity of the phone where the battery goes was the tolerances were tolerances that couldn't be met by two different suppliers. You know, I'm that's just, uh, it's a guess, but it has to be a guess because they've given us no facts to work from. Yeah. I, it, so it's amazing. And, it, and it, now it's over. I mean, it, I don't think they can restart production of the Galaxy Note 7. I don't think you don't get a third shot at exploding. No, phones. I actually think, uh, first of all, they have to make damn sure nothing like this happens again. But whatever phone that takes its place, that does the things it does, whenever it comes out, I assume it'll have to be, it, it will have to be next year. If they move any faster than next year, it will look like they really aren't being you know, prudent and cautious. But when it comes out, I'm not even sure they can continue to use the term note. Oh, yeah. And I think we've, we've, we and others have written this. I'm holding, because uh, I was using it for uh, the column we're going to talk about, I'm holding a, a Galaxy S7 Edge, uh, which is a different model line, as you well know, and I think most of our listeners know. And uh, as far as I know, hasn't had any kind of a, problem of uh, certainly not of this kind but of uh, but of any you know any kind of a of a dangerous flaw but i think there are a lot of people who don't 
understand the difference. And anybody that says the damage, uh, clearly the damage is only limited to this one model, is I think those they're crazy if that's what they think. I mean, it's mo- it's more on that model than anything else. But if you don't think the company has suffered damage, you're out of your mind. Yeah. I mean, we were talking today here in the Verge newsroom. This is kind of the big opening for Google, right? I mean, they don't have to worry about Samsung anymore. They can just, they can get Verizon to say, market the hell out of the Pixel, uh, because you're certainly not going to market the hell out of the Note. Like, take that money that you would earmark for Samsung, use it for our phone. And there's kind of nothing Samsung can do. They don't have another product for Verizon to market. So Well, they do. They have this S7, which is six months old or something like that. It's not that old. And it's a beautiful phone in its own right. And actually, more, I think, more comparable to the Pixel, to be honest. Yeah. Pixel, no. Pixel doesn't have a stylus and all that stuff that the Note had. Yeah, I just, I mean, it's it's the old phone. It's had its window. The Samsung brand is just, it's it's not what you want to be advertising that right now. That is the thing. The Samsung brand is not what, if you're Verizon or AT&T, you're, both your marketing people and your legal people are telling you to get distance. It's, it's like Paul Ryan and Donald Trump. <laughs> just get distance. <laughs> just get, get away. Get me distance. Get away. <laughs> and uh, I think that, and I think that's the situation. So... Uh, yeah, no, it's a it's great for Google. It's good for Apple. Sa- uh, Samsung, uh, this the Samsung Note was a good selling phone. This uh, Note Seven promised to be a better selling phone, but it still didn't sell in iPhone volumes. But still, if it takes them off the board for a period of time in which Apple, as we've discussed before, has decided to kind of stand pat on design and wait till next year, that's a gift from. The heavens for Apple. You know, it's good. It's great for Google. It's good for Apple. Yeah. Well, I'm interested to see how much Google takes advantage of this moment. The phones aren't out yet. They haven't started the real marketing push. I'm I'm curious. Anyhow, well, this week you read about Siri. Speaking of Apple, um, <laughs> you know it, it's an interesting time. Uh, if you, if you the listeners follow Walt's Twitter feed, you know that he has he has but few true feuds in life. Uh, <laughs> United Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> and Siri getting it wrong are basically at the top of the list. Um, and it's interesting, you know, we, we we're just talking about the Pixel. Obviously, Google's making this big push with the Assistant on the Pixel and an Allo. Right. Uh, Apple, every time Tim Cook talks right now, basically, he brings up AI and how, how far ahead they are. They've, you know, placed the big stories about their AI team and different publications and so on. Yeah. But Siri is where Apple's AI is instantiated. And it is not so great. It's just no. like kind of flatly. It even with iOS 10 and the open it up and no, the capabilities, dumb. just kind of can't dumb, do it. It's dumb and it makes mistakes and it's limited. And here's the thing. And you know, just a minute, a few minutes ago, we were I, I was criticizing Samsung. Yeah. Uh, attention, listeners of <laughs> iVerge, we're now about to criticize <laughs> Apple. <laughs> that's that's our first T-shirt. Well, attention, listeners of iVerge. <laughs> <laughs> and then the control wall delete look. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Apple had a significant head start on Google, on its competitors. Now, I'm not saying it had a head start on collecting data that you need for AI, because Google obviously had a head start on that. But in terms of turning it into uh, something that you would use effortlessly on the phone to do get a lot of interesting things done, they had a head start because they bought Siri. And um, in the column, I talk about how uh, Siri launched. uh, I actually chose Siri from a whole bunch of candidates to launch its company at our 
All Things Digital conference two years before Apple put it into the iPhone, and and it was I think it was three or four months before Apple quietly bought the company. When when it got on stage at our conference, it was uh, an app in the App Store that ran on the iPhone, and it had the ability to do a lot of this stuff already in 2009. Now, you know, it was too better in 2011 in certain ways. But my point in this column is it's fallen way behind today. And it's instead of expanding horizons as a product, it has contracted in terms of what most people find it to be actually usable for. It's usable for giving it a voice command to call somebody or text somebody or, you know, what's the weather or get a reminder. And then I listed a whole bunch of things, most of which I tweeted, that it just was idiotically stupid about. Yeah. I, I, I asked it, who is the Democratic candidate for president? And who was the Republican camp candidate for president? It threw up, you know, web listings that didn't answer the question. Even if you skimmed, like, the snippets in the web listing, just to be fair to Siri, the, the answer wasn't included there. And, uh, you know, it certainly didn't just tell you the answer to your question. It couldn't tell me when the presidential debate was going to take place. It couldn't tell me when the Emmys were on. It couldn't tell me when the World Series was starting. I mean, to me, these are just common every day. You're talking to somebody. Somebody says, when's the debate? I don't know. You want to just press the button or say, uh, uh, hey, Siri, and ask it. That's what you want from an AI assistant. Now, you want much more, but that's a simple thing that you want. It can't do those things. So I've been tweeting them. I will tell listeners right now that when they read the column or if they've seen the tweets and they see all these examples I mentioned, um, Apple has fixed them all since I tweeted them. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, you got a better record with Apple than United Airlines. I do, yeah. I can't fix United, apparently, but... Uh, Apple has fixed them all. And uh, I also, you know, as I always do with columns, particularly where I'm going to be critical, I talked to Apple and got and I basically asked them, what is Siri for to you? And, you know, this was not an on the record interview, so I can't give you their on the record answer. But they made it clear that in their mind, two two things they said. Uh, One is that and, and this is me paraphrasing. But one is that they look at their records and they put their emphasis on the kinds of things that by far the greatest number of people, millions of people, millions and millions and millions of people a day ask. And they put much less emphasis on things people don't ask. People do ask, you know, set a reminder or call mom. They do not ask, when is the debate? So that's one thing they said. And the other thing they said is, we see this as a way to let you use your phone more easily hands-free. Meaning, and and that the other kinds of stuff, like asking facts about the world and so forth, is long tail. And I just, a couple of things. First of all, I don't think that's good enough for the coming artificial intelligence wars Mm -hmm. that are going to be fought. They're going to have to fight with Google, with Microsoft, with Amazon, with Facebook, uh, with, with everybody else out there. And 
Secondly, it's not what they promised. They made a big deal of putting in things like sports and entertainment, and they recently they put in HomeKit. So it's, and if you go to their website, they brag about, for instance, that you can ask it when Abe Lincoln was born. To me, if you can ask it when Abe Lincoln was born, and by the way, it does work, you should be able to ask it who's running for president in 2016. I mean, really. Yeah. I think one of the big lost opportunities to me is there's Siri now on all their platforms, right? There's right. Siri on the Mac, there's Siri on the phone, there's Siri on the TV. In those instances of Siri don't know anything about each other as near as I can tell. So last night, you know, looking at Twitter, oh man, you know, the Cubs and Giants, extra innings tied up. Okay, I'm going right. to watch that on TV. Well, you know, I have an Apple TV. It has a Fox app on it. I said, what channel is the Cubs game on? It said Fox Sports 1, and I couldn't say, watch it. <laughs> like, Siri's right oh, there in the other device, yeah. and it, it just, they don't know about each other. And Siri and the Apple TV also, just far more limited than Siri on, on the other yeah. platforms. Yeah, Siri on the Apple TV just mostly finds stuff, I think, right? Maybe yeah, it plays music. You can play It's a search engine for the universe of Apple TV content, but you can't right. ask it when Abraham Lincoln was born. It just doesn't right. do that i to me i think this is the big question for apple if siri really truly is the instantiation of their ai and actually as we've been talking you know there are some other places where it is but i think siri is what we think of right it's the intelligent assistant it should be able to do stuff the idea that it's solely for controlling your phone for making a call or voice control of an app that's you know got an integration with siri and ios 10 that puts Apple at a huge disadvantage to Google, which has 18 years of search data and actually has – it knows when the long, when different parts of the long tail are important, right? So I bet right now Google engineers aren't really worried about a bunch of Super Bowl queries. But come February, I bet they optimize the system against that because they know. Or yeah, and that's they are an getting, And they are getting ready for World Series queries because that's coming right up. So, you know, by the way, that – you know – I should point out that Google now, which is not even, which is the old version of Google's intelligent assistant, it's not even the Google Assistant, on the iPhone that I was using for my tests, got all these questions right. You know, it's another, it's another subtle thing. If I say, who is Tim Cook to Siri? And if I, and now I know not everybody is like this, but I happen to have a contact card for Tim Cook. <laughs> of course you don't, do. Don't get excited. It's not... Secret. Yeah. I don't have secret, you know, contact info in there, but um, but I do have a contact card. For well, actually, Walt's a mailman is named Tim Cook. It's, <laughs> it's a huge coincidence. And, <laughs> but this works not just with Tim Cook. It works with anyone you happen to have a contact card in who also has a bio. Maybe the bio's on LinkedIn. Maybe the bio's on Wikipedia if they're more famous. I don't know. But if you say who is person X and you have a contact card, Siri puts the contact card up, which doesn't answer who is. Google gives you the bio. And then if you say, Google Now, I'm talking about uh, on, on an Android phone, because that's where, your, that, uh, that's where your contacts that relate to Google are. And if you then say, email Tim Cook or email whoever it is, or text or call whoever it is, if you have that information, it'll do that just like Siri will. But it understands that who is is not the same as I want to call Neela. I mean, you probably have a Wikipedia article. 
I would have to probably tell Siri, find Wikipedia article on Neelai Patel. And yeah. it might, it might not. Otherwise, it's just going to show me your contact card. It will definitely get my name wrong. So I, I assure you. And it will get your name wrong. Um, yeah. Wow. This is, this is the moment when my Wikipedia page gets defaced with my phone number. So looking forward to that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, we can cut this if you want. No, no. Absolutely not. Look, I trust the people, our listeners. This is a, a trust zone. Anyway, so while I have your first column about Siri, it's October 11, 2011, so just about five years ago now. It's when it was first in the iPhone 4S. Right. And, you know, you, it's a review of the 4S, so you've got the whole f- review of the phone. But your headline is, the iPhone finds its voice, because right. the key feature of the 4S was obviously Siri. And, you know, you describe Siri, Siri can read incoming text messages and let you reply via voice, all that stuff. And then you've got this line. This is in 2011. Siri has limitations in, a, in addition to imperfect accuracy. It can't read the contents of email. It can't provide flight information or movie times. But Apple says it intends to link Siri to more databases over time. Right. That's the big question here. So some of those databases it's added, and some of them, what they're now saying to you is, well, people just ask it to set timers. People use it to control the phone. And that piece of we're going to have it do search seems to have kind of fallen by the wayside. And I think that points to the big gap between Apple's view of assistance and let's say Google's view of assistance, where Google can just leverage its massive amount of search intelligence and say, this is the future of search. You're going to ask your phone for anything and we can figure out what information you need to yeah, present it Yeah, but it, it isn't you. just Google's idea. It's Amazon's idea. And Amazon doesn't have anything like Google's stockpile of knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's Facebook's idea. It's Microsoft's idea. And in a way, it was Apple's idea. It's just that they haven't followed through properly on it. It's If you go to their webpage, they have a section about doing the mundane things. But they also have a section where you can ask it all kinds of things that it is getting from. I mean, at first, the first search engine, it under the Apple version of Siri was connected to was Wolfram Alpha, yep. which has... So that lets it say that if I, I asked it when I was doing this column, what's the United States gross domestic product? And it told me what it was. It will even tell it to you, uh, you know, per capita. Now it's connected to Bing. Now, I know that Bing is not as big as Google, but Bing is pretty big. It crawls the web. It has a lot of stuff. Bing even had a feature. I don't know whether they've killed it. I don't think they've killed it. But I remember them rolling out a few years ago where you, where it could find airline flights. And it's interesting that I mentioned that in that com. I didn't try it. I'm going to try it right now on the podcast. Huh. Find me a flight to San Francisco. Here's what I found on the web for find me a flight to San Francisco. And so what I have are three links that say cheap flights to San Francisco. That's it. Three links. that The last one says five cheap flights to San Francisco. That's the best it could do. It's yeah. the best it could do. And presumably, one day, some app developer will build the integration for it, right? But that's Apple counting on it being worth it to those developers to do that work. And, you know, it's a big market. It's a, there's a lot of iPhones. But, you know, we've seen with things like 3D Touch and other big platform features that that takes a little bit longer than you might expect, right? I mean, 
Apple can right, do and they first. and they don't control. I mean, they don't have control exactly over how these guys do it. They will try to exert a certain control because they're Apple, but some of them may do a wonderful job, better than Apple might have done, but some of them might not. I don't know. And they're kind of hostage to what people choose to do unless they do it themselves. So I'm going to try Google now on the iPhone. Same question. See what happens. Find me a flight to San Francisco. Flights from Washington, D.C. to San Francisco, leaving the 25th of October and coming back the 1st of November start at $274. The shortest flight is about five hours, 35 minutes long. You can choose different travel dates on your screen. So they're setting me up to uh, book a flight. Yeah. They gave me information. It's not perfect. It's not great. It doesn't give me the flight numbers. But on the page that came up, you can't see this. It shows, it knows I'm in Washington, D.C. I didn't tell it that. I said San Francisco. It knows, it gives me, it's giving me a range, a date range. Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly uh, where it gets that, and and then it, it's giving me flights on various airlines and prices, and it's a, maybe it's sponsored or something, but it's right there, and I'm sure on the assistant it'll be even better. Yeah. But he, but what puzzles me is Bing showed it could do this, and Siri is tied to Bing, and somehow Siri can't do that. And five years ago, when I wrote that column, I asked Apple at the time, or I wouldn't have written it that way about flights. And Apple said, well, we're going to add more things in the future. And the the version of Siri that you demoed way back when could do more stuff than Siri can do now. It could. Different stuff. It could be that when Apple bought them and looked at how they had connected things and what deals they had or didn't have, Apple's lawyers didn't think uh, these deals were right or... The deals were only struck with a small company that had no money. And once it was Apple, the the people doing the deals on the other end pulled out. All of that could be true. You know, I don't know. Uh, but Apple is a big enough company to have remade the deals or, or done what was necessary. <laughs> and it's I certainly just, a big enough company. I just feel like it's stagnant. It's dumb. I mean... I have, I have examples of local problems. It's supposed to be able to find texts from from people in your contacts. Uh, and it's supposed to be able to know who your family is. But, I mean, I asked it. I didn't even use her. She's my daughter-in-law, but I didn't say daughter-in-law. I used her actual name. And, by the way, I should tell the listeners that all of these tests I did were series screwed up. It transcribed my voice fine. I mean, you know, in the early days, that was a problem. Uh, it wasn't a problem on these tests. None of these tests failed because it misunderstood me. Right. On um, it got my voice fine. I saw it, you know how it shows to you on the screen, and I asked it to read me the new the text from my daughter in law today using her name, and it said, "Oh, you have no text." But I had two texts that had come in within the last few hours. I asked it to show me my pictures from York, England. These are pictures. <laughs> pictures I took on a vacation in August. And what came up on the screen was a mix up of pictures, some from York, England, a lot from Yorktown, Virginia. (laughs) And I I repeat, it got the transcription of the, it said York, England. It didn't have any Yorktown in the transcription. It just couldn't, didn't do what it was. And that was, and that's one of the newer Siri features that they touted, I think, at WWDC. I asked it 
you know, to find beach pictures. It found beach pictures, but they were mixed in with pictures of other things. I mean, Google does this stuff. So, you know, I just think the even you talked about the multiple devices. I asked it on my iPad when my next appointment was. I mean, that's a really basic, simple thing. It happens to be on Google Calendar, but it is I have that calendar, you know, made visible in my Apple calendar, my iCal calendar on all my Apple devices. On the iPhone, it found it. On the iPad, for days in different places. I still have it. It still hasn't worked. It says something's wrong. Something was wrong, Walt. Yeah. It's kind of like, I can't do that, Dave. I mean, you know. Yeah, serious attitude when it it fails this much is like, it goes from being cute to being like, just, just tell me you can't do it. Like, it's fine. Yeah, right. Um, I will say, so it's funny, you know, Apple has this, it's this big AI push, and there are some places where they're starting to do really clever things. And it, you know, I think the big question here that we've we've left unanswered, I'm sure the listeners are, they're probably like pounding their fists on the dashboard as they listen in their cars, is the privacy issue, right? Google can be smarter because it's definitely harvesting yes, more. Yes, absolutely data. right. And Apple is obviously, you know, they're doing their differential privacy thing. But they're doing their differential privacy thing, which is a, we shouldn't go into it because it's just ridiculously in the weeds, but it's a scientific technique for trying to end up in the same place Google's ending up without violating your privacy. So I'm just going to take them at their word that they can do these things. And by the way, things like when's my next appointment are on the phone or in iCloud They may be, in in the case of Google Calendar, they're pulled down from Google's cloud, but they're on the phone. They're cached on the phone. So Apple only has to look at the cache on the phone. If I was asking something about six months out, maybe it wouldn't be cached on the phone. But my next appointment is cached on the phone, or, or it wouldn't, there'd be a delay when you brought up your calendar to even see it, and there isn't. So that's not a privacy problem. It's me, and I'm asking for my next appointment. I'm holding my own phone. So, well, so I will say Apple does this interestingly crazy thing now. I've noticed when I get into my car and I'm wearing my watch and the phone connects to the car's Bluetooth, yes, my watch sends me a notification that tries to predict where I'm going and how long it will take to get there, which I think is – it's so clever, right? I mean, they're not – yeah, the first nice. time the first time it happened, it freaked me out. I was like, "How do you, what? Like, how do you even know?" And then I realized, "Oh, they're just getting an input." And the phone figured out, like, usually at this time when this Bluetooth device connects, you go on this trip. Like, the phone knows it doesn't have to send any data to Apple. Right. So they are doing some of these things that appear. Oh, I to can I can name I can name a couple of other ones, yeah. uh, and some of which, by the way, started years ago, and some of which are newer. Uh, they do date what they call data detection inside emails, uh, where they'll where and they and there are other people that might do this now, but I think they were the first I knew of, first major one. Maybe there was some small uh, service that did it, but they know if there's a date in there, they will. There's a way you can click on it and make it into a, a an appointment on your calendar. Uh, another one I really happen to like is if you're doing email and you've emailed a group of people in the past and you start typing the name of the first person of a person in the group, it'll suggest a bunch of other people and you just can click if you are going to send to that group again without having to go through in your address book and make up a formal group. 
It just kind of is there. The other thing they do, if you look at your contact cards you'll uh, in on an Apple device, you'll now see it'll say found in email. And it will mm-hmm. if there's a phone number or an address for that person that wasn't in the contact card, that helps you keep your contacts up to date. And I think if you hit edit and click on it, it just permanent. It's like kind of in gray, but it's there and it's usable. But you yeah. can make it permanent. I had somebody call me this weekend. Yeah, and it had read my email enough to know maybe this is so and so. I think that's really cool. And that flashed up on the screen. Yeah, that's another thing it does. It's the kind of the reverse of what I was just talking about. So, yeah. But that all, to me. It's all great. It's, it's all, all great. AI. But that to me is just, it's, you know, it's AI, but it's, it's but just, the, it's making the linkages between the things it already knows. It's the difference between inside and outside. That, that's yeah, how it's that's working right. my mind. They right? say they're focused on inside. Yeah. I and Google wants to help you understand. Note outside. that in the column. And I say, I don't think that's good enough. It's going to be good enough for the AI wars. And by the way, I don't think that despite us just giving them some well-deserved praise on a number of features, I think some of these inside features like mixing up photo locations, which are in the metadata and not rocket science, isn't good. So some of those inside things, they're not doing you know as well as they should. But, but there's something else that bothers me about this. Um, there's AI, and it goes beyond Siri, and I agree with you. But Siri, to me, is the the point, the tip of the spear for them in the AI wars, just like Assistant and Alexa and Cortana are the tips of the spears for those companies. Uh, they're the, you know, it is the thing you talk, when you talk to an Apple device and you ask it to do something, that's Siri. And, and I would say that by focusing it inside, even if it worked perfectly, and I repeat for the third time, it doesn't on the inside tasks. Um, by focusing it only on the inside tasks, they're kind of skating to where the puck was, yeah, not even is, and not to where it's going to go. And, you know, this is something I don't think is Apple-like. What made Apple a great company was that it tended to delight you by doing things you didn't expect. Like Siri, for example. Like Siri, when it first <laughs> came out, it was like magic and it was a thing you didn't expect. And now they're sort of saying, they're not sort of saying, they said to me, well, you know, we have all this customer data and we see that everybody says call mom and that's where we've really been trying to make sure it works really well. And the long tail data, like who's running for president, and I will dispute that that's long tail data right now. I mean, that ignores the element of time. It's like your Super Bowl analogy. Yeah. Nobody's going to care. Much, many fewer people cared a year ago and will care a year from now who ran for president right now. But it's October of an election year, one of the most crazy and heated election years any of us can remember. Somebody there should have said, or some algorithm should have known, even if they didn't know it was crazy election, hey, there's gonna, this is every, the every four-year U.S. election cycle. We sell, you know, we're the leading phone in the U.S. I think they are, or when you combine all their devices, they probably are. Let's make sure we are right on top of those questions. Here, is, here are the 16 questions we think people will ask, are most likely to ask, and just let's make sure we nail them. Because this has a corrosive effect. If, yeah. if if you get too many wrong answers from Siri, 
you either stop using it or you shrink your usage of it to call mom. And yeah, set timers and call mom. If you ask anybody, what do you use Siri for? Those are two of the most common answers, right? I set timers and alarms with it and I tell it to make phone calls. Yeah. That's about it. And you and now Apple, even if they, I think this is the app developer problem. Even if Kayak puts out an integration for Siri that lets you book flights with it, they got to tell you, hey, download our app, plug it into Siri, and now you can do this. Well, the next time you need to book a flight, you're not going to do all that stuff, right? You're, it's just not going to happen. So there's no, the market isn't there for them to, to pull you into it because you don't book flights all that often. The value of adding the integrations to Siri needs to be more apparent or it needs to be um, more, the cycle needs to be more virtuous, right? You add one, you get more value, you start using it. Another one gets suggested or added, you use that one too. And that that cycle hasn't started yet, at least for me. And I've, I try to. It hasn't started and uh, for me either. But that doesn't mean, I mean, my, that the app thing with, with Siri, just like, I mean, I've downloaded some iMessage apps already. Uh, I haven't thought about doing Siri ones. Uh, but, but what's the difference? The iMessage app store is in your face. It's yeah. not, you know, voice interfaces are very interesting because they're opaque. You don't know what they can do until you just start talking. Um, and even Alexa, you know, it's got tons of skills. The biggest complaint I hear from the people who make Alexa skills is you got to download the skill. You got to know the keyword. And if you get it wrong, we are not, we don't exist. Whereas with iMessage, you push the button, you can see everything. So yeah, no, I agree on value. the Alexa thing. I mean, I downloaded um, a couple, I hate to sound so focused on the election, but I am. Huh. I, live in, I live in Washington. Um, I downloaded the Washington Post did an election skill, which is an app basically for Alexa. And I have an Echo, I don't know, a couple of months ago. But you had to say a certain phrase like WAPO election poll or something. <laughs> and I never, it just, I have just yet to get Alexa to respond. Now, Amazon put out its own thing. This is actually a very good analogy. Amazon put out its own thing because I, I, like you probably do, get an email every week about new skills there where you could just ask, what are the polls? And like this morning, I asked my Echo, I, uh, you know, how do the election polls look? And it gave me an answer. And I didn't have to remember the WAPO, even though the, the Washington Post uh, might be better. But I can't rem- I can't get it to work. So, you know. Yeah. So that's, I, 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 that's the challenge. And I, it's just going to keep being the challenge. And, you know, as we've been talking, it occurs to me, you know, Apple's like, if you're just in the Apple ecosystem and you slowly get this trickle of new features, I bet you are delighted, right? Suddenly it can do a little bit more than it did before. But if you're aware of the competitive landscape, then it's pretty obvious that they have a lot of work to do. And I I just wonder if Apple is too comfortable with the fact that its users might be locked into its ecosystem and not aware that Google Assistant can like do much more than than Siri can do right now. Because that's uh, that's the danger zone. You for know, th- like you might be right, but I don't know the answer to that. Uh, my experience they're a lot more aware of what their competitors are. The, the Apple, the company, is a lot more aware of what their competitors are doing, and they'd be foolish to think their users are not. I mean, if you're sitting at a at a bar with a friend, and she has an Android phone or a, a you know so, somebody else's device, and it can do, or some phone that eventually gets hooked up to Alexa, let's say, and it can do more, and you can't do it. That thing we just did here on the air in the podcast about the flights. Yeah. Somebody does that, you're gonna you're gonna 
realize that Siri can't do it. And here's the thing. What is the difference between that and me being able to say, and this is painful this morning, but I'll use (laughs) it anyway, how are the Red Sox doing? It does a great job. I mean, not only does it tell me where they are in the standings or what happened in the game last night, but it actually shows me a very lovely thing with graphics. But that's like years old they've been doing that. How I can ask it, you know, what's playing nearby in the movie theaters? Years old. Tell me why that's different than these other, than these other outside the phone skills. It's not different in kind, in my opinion. So I mean, they got to get there. I mean, I think the assistant, you know, it's funny this, this industry right now is kind of, it's coalescing to Apple versus Google, and this is the front because of the Samsung thing. It's like, you know, last week we talked a lot about the Pixel and Google getting into the game and the effects it's going to have on the industry. It's funny that it's way, it's going to be way more head to head, these two devices, these two approaches, because Samsung, which would have been the only other player in the market that mattered at this scale, is going to spend, you know, the next year trying to put its brand back together. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be something. So, listeners, the first part of the podcast, we criticized Samsung. And the second part, we criticized Apple. And maybe next week we'll spend the whole podcast criticizing Google. I don't know. but Google steals all your data. There you go. You got it. Yeah, there you go. Google (laughs) steals all your data. I mean, that's the thing that we haven't discussed at length here, right? But I will say Apple has shown the ability... And they have promised with this differential privacy thing that they're going to be just as good as Google without having to take your data. And in, right now, it is not true. Yeah. Right? So if I you're going to make you. that promise, you got to you got to. No, I, I, I agree with you. And 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 we, it's a good point, place to note that when the Pixel was unveiled, and we covered this on The Verge, um, they broke a promise. Uh, no, I'm sorry. When Allo was unveiled, finally unveiled at the Pixel launch. They broke a promise they'd made when they at Google I/O when they had introduced it, which was that they would not be, they would not be retaining your texts for more than a very short time, and now they're going to retain your texts unless you tell them not to for some much longer time. So yeah, they love, they love to suck up your private data, and Apple is willing to go and fight the FBI to not do that, and that's a huge difference. But it does not let them off the hook for keeping their promises on Siri and for continuing to make it, at least make it do the things it's supposed to do and then do new things. It needs to do both those things. Yep. All right. Well, that's it for us this week, sadly. We'll be back again next week. Who knows what's going to happen? The news just keeps unfurling. A- Maybe anything could happen. Any, Literally anything could happen. Well, we uh, actually do know what's happening, but that's... But that's why the people listen, (laughs) to get a hint of the future. Uh, All right. If you're done with us this week, uh, you can listen. Call Tim Cook and ask. Call Tim Cook. (laughs) Hey Siri, call Tim Cook. Alexa, call Jeff Bezos. (laughs) Okay, Google, call 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 Sundar Pichai. We're just gonna keep doing this all night. Um, Anyhow, if you want to keep listening to Verge Podcast, the Vergecast is on. I host that. Dear Bone is actually in New York this week, so he's going to be on with me there. There's his mention this week on this show. Uh, Glad we got it in. Perfect. Uh, it's in our Chris, contract. <laughs> yeah, right. we got to get renewed for next year. Chris Plant hosts What's Tech, which is wonderful. And over on the Recode side, Lauren Good, actually in New York also this week, which is pretty fun, uh, does Too Embarrassed to Ask. Kara Swisher does Recode Decode. And Peter Kafka does Recode Media, which is wonderful. So tons of stuff to listen to, all of it on iTunes. Give it all five stars. Tweet at us. Please keep tweeting us intros. I will. I promise, if you've noticed, I have 
Saved so many intros from Twitter, I had to start a new note because I put too many attachments in a single note in Apple Notes, <laughs> which is incredible. I didn't even know that was a, a thing you could break, but we I broke know. it together as a team. Uh, so that was wonderful. And yeah, lots of lots of fun stuff coming up this month. I'll, I'll do a little hype. Verge Trends 5, November 1, I'm doing a little series on the site covering how we're relaunching the whole brand. And I assure you, merchandise is coming. So keep an eye out for that as well. That's it. We'll see you all next week. Thanks a lot, Walt. Yay, merch. Thanks a lot, Nilay. Thanks a lot, Nilay.